0: Welcome to Ishii TV. I'm Ekta Kapoor. Today I'm going to be talking about this new film called Jungle Cry which is about a real-life story of underprivileged boys from Odisha making it to the international rugby stage and we're also going to talk about what it takes to come out winner despite the odds. To do that I have with us the executive producer of the film who's also acted in it Emily Shah. Hi, Emily, I'm so excited to have you here. Thanks for having me, I appreciate it. So your new film Jungle Cry is uh, based on the real life story. Uh, Would you like to tell us a little about it and why did you decide to make this film? Yeah, sure. So the film Jungle Cry is based on these
1: uh, tribal boys, actually from Odisha, who are attending Kalinga Institute of Social Sciences. And Dr. Samantha is the one who has started the institution several years ago. He went from having 30 students to now having over 30,000 students. And he feeds them, educates them, clothes them, houses them. Uh, He even has vocational training for them. So that way he understands that, you know, not every kid is going to be a doctor or a lawyer, as most Indian parents want. Some of these kids, you know, they're Adilasi tribal boys, um, rural, some are orphans. And so he realizes that. Some of these boys are, or girls are going to go on to become farmers or fishermen or tailors and things of that nature. So he yeah. makes an effort to not only give them an education, but also give them some technical training of, of some sort. Yeah. Um, he's also known for having really great athletes. Uh, actually one of his students, I believe, w- won a gold at the Olympics, I want to say four or five years ago, a female. She was a track runner and so she was on the cover of Vogue India. But that. He, you know, she came from Bhubaneswar in Odisha. And so these tribal people, I should say, in Odisha are very strong. They're very um, athletic, very agile. And so they're great when it comes to sports. And so it's obvious, you know, to make them into incredible athletes. And Paul Walsh, who is part of the embassy, the um, British embassy had come to visit the school and found these boys that were playing soccer in Kabaddi, which is an Indian sport. And he saw how agile, how rigid, how rough and tough, how strong they were. And so he said, you know, coming from England, he said, why don't I teach these boys how to play rugby? I mean, they have what it takes. And on top of that, there's actually a World Cup, Junior World Rugby Cup that is happening in about four months. So we have four months to train and you have to compete this year because if you don't, you're going to age out by next year for the Junior World Cup. So he spoke to Dr. Samantha about it, and Dr. Samantha was on board immediately. Obviously, he wants to give these kids a international platform to really show their talent. And so they took them to England to play in the World Cup, and they ended up winning. But mm. the unfortunate part about all of this is that the same year, India won the World Cricket Cup. Mm. And so all of the attention, all of the media, all of the awards, accolades, et cetera, et cetera, were, was, geared yeah. towards okay. the cricket team, cricket not towards the boys. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know that. Yeah, exactly. So it, when I read the script and I found out about this story, I went around India and I asked people, I said, have you heard about this? Does anybody know about this? And to my surprise, nobody, not one person had ever heard of this story. I thought, okay, maybe I'm American. That's why I don't know. But not even India's in India, or Indians in India had heard of the story. So when I heard about the script and i read the script i knew it was a story that had to be told for obvious reasons um i think you know the these boys deserve to be celebrated and for the world to know what what they've been through and about the school and things of that nature so i read the script fell in love with it and i was an executive producer at that time attached to it but when i read it i realized that there was no female character Mm -hmm. and so i spoke to the producers and i was like guys it's. 2020 almost like we at this time and I was like we need to add some female characters and so we added just a few uh Roshini Tucker being one of them which is a sports physio and that's who I play
0: right that's right so you know I mean you've taken the story of real life uh boys how was how challenging was it to find the actors to play these roles and how did that I mean what were the challenges of doing all the shoots Actually,
1: we didn't find actors. We went to the rugby grounds where, you know, Kalinga Institute of Social Sciences is. And uh, Paul Walsh as well has gone off to do his own thing where he's a part of Kelo India, which is the rugby association. And so he's got his own group of boys. I mean, he's got hundreds of kids that play with him, girls and boys, actually. So we went with his older boys, the ones that were in high school who could play, you know, and portray the actual boys in the story. So we auditioned the actual rugby boys and we auditioned them based on how expressive they were, how outgoing and confident they were, because obviously those are assets that you need as an actor and especially one that can shine on set. So mm-hmm. between Kalinga Institute boys and Paul Walsh's uh, Jungle Pro Association and Kayla Rugby Association, we decided to pick those boys because um, it's, yeah, it's a lot more tough to find actors and then to train them to be athletes and yeah. train the sport of rugby. It's just so complicated so we ended up reversing it and it worked in our favor because these boys i mean you'll see it in the film they just shine through and you would never be able to tell that some of them aren't even actors
0: wow that's just amazing but but you must have faced some challenges while during the shoot in odisha and you know without your you know your whole setup that you probably had in the u.s so how was that experience there was another executive producer rubina Dode, who was kind
1: of managing that uh in india And she was telling me, you know, it's they were dealing with cyclones at the time because it's close to Bangladesh and obviously the 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 water is right there. And so you get a lot of that tropical weather. So forget monsoons. I mean, they were dealing with cyclones. So Mm -hmm. that was a little bit of a challenge, obviously, to to navigate through that and how to shoot and sound and lighting and even, you know, shooting inside. You still get that heavy sound of rainfall. So, yeah, it was it was challenging in that sense.
0: Yeah. And what was it like working with Abe Deol? I like him so much.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you know, he's a gem of a guy. He he really was so giving to me on set in the sense of of being a fellow actor. You know, obviously, I'm a newcomer, and so coming onto a set where you have such a respected and legendary last name that you're acting with and and sharing a screen with can be intimidating. But Abe was just so warm and welcoming. He gave me such great advice while we were on set. And he also gave me a lot of creative freedom, which you don't get with many actors. A lot of actors are very stuck in their creative mind and their creative zone, and that's fine. But Mm -hmm. sometimes it takes away the beauty of that authenticity that you get on screen. And so I think with Abe, what was so special about our performance is that we didn't get to, we didn't want to actually rehearse a lot. So yeah, we Mm -hmm. rehearse the lines and the timing and you know the movement and things like that. But when it came to the acting, we tried for it to be as natural as possible. And even if you ask Sagar Balari, every take that we took was different from the next because our reactions were different, our emotions were different, and we were able to pull so much from one another because of that free creative freedom that not only Abe gave, but also Sagar Balari.
0: Mm-hmm. So let's go back to the beginning. You were uh, brought up as the child of mixed parentage. You, your dad is yeah. a you know Bollywood film producer, Prashant Shah. Your mom is an american so tell us about your growing up years and how you managed to imbibe both uh, the indian and american values and cultures sure yeah
1: my parents were very open about me wanting to learn about both of their traditions cultures heritage religions etc etc and so they never ever forced me to pick one side or to say that Mm -hmm. you have to identify with this versus that it was never like that it was always like learn about everything and embrace what you feel the closest to Mm. and so you know i would go to missouri with my mom in the midwest and i would learn about the hardcore american culture there and then of course i'd come to india during the summers with my dad my ba and my daddu um mm. but my parents were working a lot when i was a kid so i grew up with mostly my bond raising me and for that reason actually gujarati was my first language and oh, then okay. i learned english which i just spoke with my mom and in school and then i learned hindi so
0: i'm very much languages positive.
1: Yeah, I do, I do. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so I'm much closer to my Indian side um, than I guess I would say my American side. But it's funny, when 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 you when I'm in America, I say, oh, I'm Indian. And then when I'm in India, I say, I'm American. So it's like, yeah. this cat's funny too, you know? But yeah. I love both sides of, of my cultures and I embrace them equally. Yeah. Uh,
0: so, you know, since you've been watching your dad making films since you were a kid, which of your dad's films is your favorite? <laughs> um...
1: This might get me in trouble. <laughs> I'm kidding. I think two, two of his films really, really spoke to me. And one of them was My Name is Khan, for obvious yeah. reasons, especially during that time and age where it was kind of taboo yeah. to talk about a subject like that and, and then play a character that had autism. Um, yeah. Such a powerful film. And Kites. I love mm. the film Kites with Rithik Roshan and Barbara Roshan. Moore because I don't think I've ever seen such good looking actors on screen yeah. together. <laughs> I was like, wow, yeah. I am in love with you. <laughs> Forget yeah. Rithik, Barbara, too. But just having that, you know, I guess because I identify with having a multicultural background. So it's kind of nice to see that celebrated even in Bollywood, where it was celebrating the Mexican culture and, you know, Spanish language, but also having that incorporation of the Hindi language and obviously Bollywood elements. Um, But yeah, such a brilliant film, both
0: of those. Yeah. And and talking about beautiful people, you were Miss New Jersey uh, at the age of 18. Uh, so you know what I was thinking about that you know 18 is like no age you know and I was like what does it take for a teenager to have that level of confidence and poise when you're in the spotlight you know
1: what I've learned in life is that when you tend to let go of things things come to you I think when you try to have a lot and I'll tell you why I'm saying this but when you have like this control or you're uptight about things and you overthink things they don't tend to come to you so with that being said i had always competed for miss new jersey teen usa i always okay. wanted to go to miss teen usa and i was like okay when i become an official adult i'm gonna take my acting career seriously but in the meantime i want to do pageants because i enjoyed it mm-hmm. uh i did miss new jersey teen usa for f- three years so i and then i got fourth runner-up third runner-up second runner-up first oh, okay. i guess four years first runner-up so I, by the time I was 18, I was like, surely I'm gonna win because it's, it's all been leading up to this and now <laughs> I haven't won. So uh, yeah. yeah, it just made sense. But when I went to go apply, they said that I aged out. And I was oh. like, I don't know how I've aged. I just graduated high school. Yeah. So I thought, forget it, I'm not gonna compete. I'm just gonna go to LA, pursue my acting career, get my college degree, call this pageant career a day. When I went to shoot my headshots, Uh, with Fadil Baricha, who's a very famous photographer. He shot with like, you know, Rolex and Coca-Cola and a bunch of other massive brands, but he was the official headshot photographer for Miss Universe organization. And he had said at the time, he was like, you need to compete again for Miss New Jersey. So I went in, not even, you know, I wouldn't say I didn't take it seriously, but I just had fun with it. I was like, whatever, it doesn't, this isn't that deep to me. I got my gown, I think on Monday and my swimsuit on Tuesday and then my interview (laughs) outfit on Thursday and I competed Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And by some miracle, I ended up winning. I don't know how, but I won. And I think that lesson, I learned that lesson where I was like, when I let go of things, things come to me because it's almost that energy of manifestation where it's not controlling so much, you know?
0: Yeah, you've you've done the preparation and now the, the manifestation happens. Yeah. Exactly. I, exactly. I get that. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, so your induction into the world of films actually happened pretty early. I heard you say that you had dance lessons at the age of two, you had acting lessons from the yeah. age of five, and you started doing film production when you were in college. And of course, uh, this New Jersey title happened. So was acting like a natural progression for you at that point in your late teens? Yeah,
1: definitely. I, you know, because I, I loved performing arts so much. And, I love dancing. So dancing kind of led me to theater performances. And then obviously theater led me to acting. And then I did a little bit of singing. I'm not good at singing. I promise you I'm terrible. But (laughs) acting and dancing, I really, really loved and and kind of latched on to. Um, But when I was acting, that was something that, you know, I was able to use my voice to make people feel emotions that they might not otherwise feel. And so that power that comes with acting is something that I had never experienced before. And I I fell in love with it for that reason. And so I continued to take acting classes. I went to Lee Strasberg for, I don't know, like 13, 14 years from the age of uh, six or seven onwards. And I I studied with Madhumati, who's, you know, the great Helen, the dancer, Helen. I I studied with her sister, Madhumati and Juhu, right here um, when I was five. And then I would come every summer and visit her and study with her in in Hindi and Bollywood and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of, never gave it up. You know, I just yeah. kind of continued to practice my craft. I did commercials as a child. I did modeling. And so I was always in front of the camera and thoroughly enjoyed it.
0: So you got experience with the acting side of it, the production side of it. And and all, you're also an entrepreneur. You have a gin label that's Based on Ayurvedic ingredients—that's fascinating. Me like, too. how did that come Me about? Too. Like, what inspired that? It is. <laughs> yeah, please tell us it's about called, this. Yeah,
1: it's called Dharma Gin, and it's an Indian dry gin. It's actually distilled in London dry gin style, um, but the reason why we call it an Indian dry gin is because all of, most of our ingredients, I should say, come from India. So the only things that don't are our juniper berries, which come from Italy and Macedonia. Um, we use pounds and pounds of saffron, which makes it such a premium. Uh, you know, gin. And although saffron does come from Spain, it's very, you know, dominant in Indian cooking. And then we use Egyptian coriander because my other partner who's a part of it is Mina Masood and he's from Egypt. So we had to give him a little bit of a ingredient yeah. in our gin. But the other <laughs> ingredients include curry leaf. So we use Indian curry leaf like limra. So we use limra, we use um, amchur. It says mango on there, but it's actually amchur. Uh, We use black cardamom, turmeric, ginger, rose, I mean just beautiful ingredients that make it such a unique uh, spirit for that matter and I would say if you tasted it by itself, you could definitely drink it on its own, it stands on its own and that's something that I'm really proud of but yeah we went through 50 distillations over two years during the pandemic and finally came up with the final product and Yeah, it's doing i mean the u.s market likes it which i'm shocked because americans don't like gin like the british and the indians do yeah so the fact that non-gin drinkers are drinking it and really loving it means that you know i've created something that that's elevating in a in a non-gin market
0: yeah yeah i saw some of the photos as well that you've been putting up on instagram uh, with mina and they're really beautiful and everything thank you uh, it's so well shot and you know, you're somebody who has a big social media presence. You, you're, you know, you've been, you, you're very savvy with, uh, you know, the virtual side of things. Uh, Thanks, but I'm tell fine. me, uh, with with all this, uh, you know, this virtual, uh, you know, demands. How do you, uh, how do you balance it with your personal me time? Like, are you always carrying the camera and shooting along with you as you go? No, so that's that I catch myself not doing it. And I'm like,
1: Oh, man, I probably should have done that. But it's a catch 22. I I like to live in the moment. And I like to put my phone down and, you know, be present with my friends and my family and my loved ones. So for me to sit there and record everything, it's so cringy to me. But I know it's so necessary in today's day and age. And I struggle (laughs) with it a lot. Yeah. So yeah. I have to like remind myself and make a conscious effort. And I find myself being, you know, telling everybody like, I'm sorry, I have to do this. It's for the gram.
0: My yeah. apologies. It's not <laughs>
1: something I thoroughly honestly, if I could, you know, if I was at that Jennifer Lawrence status or like a Shoya Rai status, I would I, I think I would delete my social media because, yeah, I just enjoy being present with my friends and family, especially after the pandemic. You realize what's important. And social yes. media is not super important to me, but I know it's important for this job, so I keep it. Yeah,
0: yeah. How often do you visit India now? And which are your favorite cities here?
1: I, before the pandemic, I used to visit like two, three times a year, but now it's it's a lot harder to get here, especially with the, I mean, I don't know if you know this, but they've canceled so many flights coming in into India, yeah. so it's really a pain to get here. But I mean, I try to come as much as I can. Um, and I love India for that matter. I, Mumbai obviously has a very, very special place in my heart. My Bandadu and my dad all grew up in Bodhivali. Um, and so I spent a lot of time in Bodhivali when I was a kid and coming here during my summers off of school. So um, I would say Mumbai has a very special place in my heart for that reason. I have family here. So it's it's going to be my favorite. Um, but I, you know, visiting Orissa and Bhubaneshwar for that matter. Yeah. I've fallen in love with the food if you yeah. listen if you ever get a chance to go to Bhuvaneshwar or stuff <laughs> for that matter please go and try their food because it is it's truly the best Indian food I've ever had
0: it's yeah. so good in fact oh. I was gonna ask you like did you try the food there yeah oh yeah, yeah. it's
1: so good their bindi Numasala, masala oh my gosh my mouth is literally talking it.
0: it's so good yeah highly Great. recommend <laughs> so uh, yeah so i mean it's been great talking to you would you like to leave our readers with a message especially for young women who are living their truth and living you know starting out on their dream careers yeah sure well first i want to give a message about jungle cry because a lot of
1: people have when i talk about jungle cry they're like "Well, i'm not really into rugby but i want everybody to know that this is not a rugby film this is a film about tribal boys who against all odds were able to overcome Every single doubt that anybody ever had of them, and Doctor Samantha, who put up such a high stake in order for him to be able to send these boys to England. So, yeah. just give this film a chance. It's a very lovely story. It's family friendly. You can go and watch it with your nieces and nephews, your kids, your yeah. bondadu, nana nannies. You can watch it with the <laughs> whole entire family. I promise. So that's yeah. one message that I wanted to send out about Jungle Cry. And as for women, the one message that I want to stand, send out is to stand your ground. No matter what it is, no matter what you do in life, whoever's in the room, just stand your ground. If yeah. you believe in yourself and and you believe in the power that you have, then everybody else is going to believe that. So even if you have to fake it till you make it, believe in yourself first. Because if you don't believe in yourself, then who else is going to believe in you? So you've got to right. find that power to love yourself, believe in yourself and empower yourself first and foremost, and then everything else will come to you.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for coming online and thank you you for sharing your thoughts and all the best with the film release. I look forward to seeing it. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you so much for being here. Bye-bye. Bye.